You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, welcome back to episode 11 of the Fake Teams Fantasy Baseball Podcast called The Double Switch. I believe we are on episode 11. Actually, I'm positive we're on episode 11 because that's the name of my Google Doc. What's up, Joe? Joe, are you there? Yeah, sorry. I forgot I had the mic on mute. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I am sitting in my basement because this is where I do the recording thing, and uh, it's about... I don't know, 50-something degrees in here. Um, fun fun feature of the house. It's a very big house, but the basement uh, has, like, the – don't have baseboard heat or anything. So I bring my little heater down. I warm up my little room, and, and when we start recording, I turn my heater off so you don't get this uh, background noise. So I'm a little chilly, but I got my, I got my hoodie on, so I'm good. <laughs> That's why I got to get a heated blanket like I have right now. I get I get this uh, dichotomy of like riding in my old car versus riding in the wife's new car, and she's got like the heated seats and stuff. Not even not even heated seats like the she got like the low heat versus the and the high heat like there's two different settings. So I love the I love the fancy car versus my old car. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll survive down here. It's chilly in my basement, so uh, I think it's a nice uh, segue to talk about the winter meetings. That was good. I just came up with that. So a little a little bit more. I know you like that joke. A little bit more eventful than last year, I think, uh, is the general consensus. This year with the winter meetings, uh, we have a few news items, uh, some of which dropped today, actually. So it's not fully winter meetings, but the news. Um, Andrew McCutcheon goes to Philadelphia, leaving uh, hitters hell uh and moving to philadelphia i know i have some thoughts but do you have any thoughts how do we like andrew mccutcheon as a philadelphia philly i mean you gotta love it right i mean he goes from one of the worst if not the worst hitters park in the league to uh one of the best and i know people he had a down year last year but so people are probably off on him but he still on baseball savant, he still had a hard contact rate of 42%. Um, good line drive rate, uh, still hit a decent amount of fly balls. So probably uh, maybe still a 270 guy, 25, 30 home runs probably. So and still gets you 10, 15 steals as well. So pretty valuable, especially if we're looking at Justin Mason's two early mock drafts. He had an ADP of 155, which... Uh, I believe should go up um, since he signed, but he could still be going outside the top 100, which is a great price for what you're getting. Yeah, I think, and it his 
batted ball luck the last couple of years was a little bit down. In my notes here, I put that I definitely could see batting average at 260 or above. And that was a pretty conservative look just by taking a glance at it. Uh, hard contact, and I look at fan graphs, so it's slightly different. But it, the best, best mark of his career is 43.4%. And the other thing that stuck out to me as far as plate discipline was he had the lowest chase rate of his entire career last year at 19.4%. So that's an O swing of... Uh, Less than 20%. If you don't know, the, the MLB average year to year is right around like 30%. So the eye is still awesome. And uh, like you said, he's he's well-rounded. Like he's going to chip in with 10-ish steals, I think is a fairly uh, safe number. So he is exactly the kind of guy that I'm going to draft because I'm, I'm the weirdo that does baseball and plays head-to-head. Everybody knows it. I say it as much as I can. Um, I'd much prefer that to rotisserie. You guys can punch me in the face, but uh, love Andrew McCutcheon. I'll take him in all my head-to-head leagues. So, uh, yeah, I think those are my those are my cut notes. The only other thing we talked about before the pod was uh, batting order slot. Like he's, it looks like right now he's probably going to bat bat third in the lineup, right? Cesar and uh, Segura, and then McCutcheon, and then Hoskins right behind him. So I love I love the spot. There's like nothing that I don't love about McCutcheon in Philly, except that he did not come to the Braves, and we desperately need a uh, powerful sort of outfielder. So for me as a Braves fan, that was a bit of a double whammy. Um, we have a need that he fits. So not only did we not get him, but he went to a division rival, and they got him. So that that hurt me twice. I think it also technically helps Hoskins' value too, since he moves over to first and he's get first base eligible in any leagues I wasn't um and I also like it too because it keeps Nick Williams in the outfield so there's still a little sleeper there until Bryce goes to Philly yeah let's I don't know where Bryce is going honestly you know Boris is going to hold out to probably like a week before spring training Machado and Harper won't be signed till like for the start you're right right now he's I mean he's not off my board I'm just I'm not I'm not even thinking about it. He's a, he's still a, he's like back in the first round for me. I like Bryce, but I, I, I do, I don't like the wondering where somebody's going to land. I wish it would all just take shape right now, but I know we're going to have to wait for a long time. So we'll see. Maybe not a long time. Maybe not as long as last year before all this stuff gets rolling. So, all right. We, uh, general consensus, we, we, we very much enjoy McCutcheon. Um, I honestly, like it, like I know you said 154, I think that's going to go way up. Um, I'd take him like middle rounds. I mean, it, I don't, I haven't done mocks yet. Honestly, that's my goal for the next pod is to start hopping in some of these draft and hold, uh, 50 rounders. Um, but I really like him. He, I'll take him way ahead of 150. I was going to say off the top of your head. I mean, where do you think you have him ranked? I have, I'd probably have him in the top 75 range. Probably around sixty to seventy-five. I don't know if that seems too early for you, or I don't. I mean, I don't think so. Not if we're. T- I mean, we'll we'll cover first base later on. Probably not today. I think today's all news and catchers. But uh, if we're talking about a guy like Joey Votto in round five, I mean, Cushion's not too far behind that as far as like what you're getting as far as safety. So um, middle rounds for sure. Like. Round seven, eight. I don't know. I mean, it will. Maybe I'm way off. I'll have to do. I'll do a couple of mocks and report back. But I'm I'm pretty into McCutcheon, 
and he's he's young. He's only I want to say thirty two. Like he's he's not as old as what you think. Um, so love the skills. I didn't see anything underneath that made me you know scared away. Uh, I think like you said, he just he had that terrible terrible home part last year, and now he doesn't have it anymore. So we're we're down with McCutcheon. So all right, we we beat that horse up. I think um, Michael Brantley going to the Houston Astros. Uh, I think we really enjoy this as long as it doesn't do anything to mess up a certain uh, top prospect getting the nod. What do you what do you think about Michael Brantley in Houston? Um, I like it. I mean, I'm I really like Michael Brantley. Um, I think the 20 home run power is legit. Uh, he's gonna the 300 average is gonna be there. I mean, this is a guy. Let me see what I have him marked for. I have him projected to be. A 305 average, 19 home runs, and a 75-75 guy. So with eight stolen bases, so that's pretty valuable for fantasy and real life. So the the nuts thing about the Houston lineup is that as quality of a hitter as Michael Brantley is, he's probably going to bat fifth in that lineup. Um, and that just you know, I don't know, like that. It's just a crazy deal. And we'll we'll see if they really shuffle, but. Springer and Bregman up top, Altuve in the three-hole, Correa batting fourth, Brantley batting fifth. I mean, he he's just going to rack up rack up the RBIs, right? There's no way he doesn't. Yes. Um, and, yeah, those projections were before he moved to Houston, so I should probably say that. Uh, but, yes, did you – Kyle Tucker, that's the only thing I'm worried about with the deal. Uh, I don't know – if the Astros hate Kyle Tucker or something, I don't know what's up with them and not playing him. Uh, but I mean, the dude's got power. He drives the ball, hits a lot of the ball in the air, makes good contact. And he, he's one of the guys I like to see for fantasy because he swings a lot. He's a rare guy that last year, for instance, he had a 50% swing rate, but his own swing was still only 25%, which is amazing for how much he was swinging. That means he's swinging at in the zone all the time and he's not taking swinging that much outside. So this is a quality player. It seems like I have him, have him top six and I think my fantasy ranking. So I would like to see him get some playing time, but I don't know exactly what the Astros are trying to do right now. Are they trying to trade Kyle Tucker for JT real Muto? And would you do it? What do you think? Uh, I just threw that, I just threw that curveball at you. Does the does the Brantley signing make him expendable? And now they're going to chase after Real Muto. And would you would you accept losing Tucker if you got to add the best catcher in the game? What do you think? Ooh. On the spot. Ooh, yeah. I, know, I messed you up. I might I might sound crazy, but I, I might do it from like the real life baseball perspective because Real Muto is so valuable behind the plate. He has like one of the best arms, I believe. Um, he has great pop time, and then what you get with the bat as well. I mean, I honestly think he is the best catcher in the game. So Yeah, I think by far when you talk about base running skills, defense, pop time, uh, it wins above replacement. Last year he was number one. Um, yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no hole right now for, for Real Muto. So if they can make that trade, I think, I, think uh, I don't know. Seems like the Marlins want, I don't know. A god awful haul, but uh, that's at least the that's at least the uh, the idea that now that they've got Brantley, maybe Tucker is expendable. Maybe they're going to go after 
go after the top catcher. So we'll see. Which, before we change the subject, um, a little off topic, if you want to hear something crazy, I saw um, Kyle, is it Body for Driveline? Um, I believe, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right or not, but something crazy I saw they posted today with the Astros was in AAA, AA, high A, low A, and short season ball, they had the highest amount of strikeouts among anyone at all five levels. So that team is just so good. I just, it, the Astros are going to be good for like 10 years, I swear. Yeah. I mean, it, I get the idea with, well, it, I guess to that point, like, yeah, they just, it seems unfair how stacked they are. Um, I do think there's a scenario where you let Brantley DH and protect his health a little bit and uh, Tucker's not getting blocked that way. But in uh, injuries are, you know, they're always quick to happen. So I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think it particularly blocks him immediately. I think he could find some time in the outfield and, and let some of those older guys rotate in the DH spot. Um, I don't think they're going to be dying to have Tyler White and, uh yeah reddick's a lefty bat so he kind of gets the nod i think they just they they're so right-handed heavy i feel like adding tucker to that mix is not a bad thing so we'll see i think they could find at bats but maybe i'm wrong it'll be interesting all right well we like we like brantley obviously you'd like anybody that goes to houston the only uh sort of buzzkill is the top prospect might be down on the farm longer and or expendable i guess the silver lining if he got traded would be he's he's gonna play a buttload in miami like they're not gonna play anybody else over him so we'll see yeah but then that park factor is terrible so yep yes it is yikes all right all right moving on that's depressing so trevor cahill is now a los angeles angel yes uh they Lost out on the Patrick Corbin sweepstakes and then promptly spent all their money on Trevor Cahill and Matt Batman Harvey. But we're not going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Cahill, though. What are your thoughts on Trevor Cahill as an angel? Um, first off, isn't it amazing that him and Harvey signed for the same amount um, or around the same amount, I believe? Uh, but Cahill, I mean, Cahill's been a decent guy for uh, – strikeouts um you kind of he's not a bad late round sleeper i guess gonna have a k rate probably around 23 percent um high walk rate guy uh let's see here he's gonna get a lot of ground balls so high three era um low four is probably a little higher weight whip due to the uh walk rate but uh you know he's a quality quality like streamer and stuff so not bad sign by the Angels at all. Yeah. So last year I did the we did a waiver wire article that came out every early every week, and I distinctly remember Trevor Cahill being being in the pitcher slot for I don't know, man, probably half the season because he and some of it was like an injury smokescreen because he he got hot and then he got hurt and then he came back. So he was on it. He went off. He came back on it. Um, I was using Cahill a bunch last year, so. Uh, I'll be rounding out some rotations with him probably, or if it's uh, not that deep of a league, like you say, he's he's going to be a really quality streaming candidate. Somebody that's going to be like added and dropped like, you know, a lot of times, especially if you're in like a 10 teamer. I feel like in a 12 team league, he'll, he'll find a home um, pretty permanently. 
but if not, if he doesn't find a home in a 12 teamer, he, I feel like he's going to be one of the elite guys. It's just like, you know, pick him up, drop him, pick him up, drop him. So he's definitely in that, in that range for me. So, yep. Cahill. Uh, I think just real life baseball, if we're talking angels, he, they missed out on, on Corbin. So then they dropped, you know, that 20 million instead on, on two veteran guys. So they're just trying to, trying to eat up innings, which kind of going for a, quantity over quality thing which you know there's not a whole lot of quality on the free agent pitching market so i think that's their that's their reasoning and uh i can't argue with it a whole lot i don't i don't love matt harvey but i'm okay with the two veteran guys going to going to the angels i'm not like excited about it but I'm, i'm okay with it i understand what they're doing so i think they need more pieces uh another some bullpen help would be nice but uh I think they're just trying to eat some meetings up. What do you yeah. think? Like real real life baseball? You like those two guys there? No, or you get to I don't you agree like, with the strategy? I don't like Matt Harvey anywhere. Um I like Matt Harvey probably in triple A right now. Uh <laughs> but uh I don't know if the Angels know what they're doing. I think they're I think I, I don't know if they're like trying to kind of win to maybe keep Mike Trout happy. Like we're trying kind of, so please don't leave us, but I don't know. Just you know what? How about this? How about instead of signing Matt Harvey, they just make Mike Trout the next two-way player. They have Shohei Ohtani and Mike Trout. Mike Trout will just pitch and probably have a lower ERA than Harvey. <laughs> I so we slightly disagree. I, th- I think they're trying. I think they're trying to win for sure. Um, the rotation though, it's not. Uh, it's not pretty. Wow. Roster Resource has Matt Harvey as the as the ace. Y'all got to change that. <laughs> Um, so Harvey and then Haney, who I like, and then Cahill, who I like, Skaggs, yeah, and then uh, Baria, I think is how we say his name. I think it's, I don't know if it's Jamie or Jaime, uh, but he's a quality five. Um, the thing that I think is interesting is signing Justin Boer or Bauer. Do we know how to say his last name? Justin Boer, I think. Justin Bohr, I think it is Bohr. So he that's interesting to me because if Otani's healthy, he's going to DH. And if then it's like, where does Albert Pujols go? You know what I mean? So if they're, if they're willing to bench Albert Pujols in the name of winning, then I, then I think they are trying to win. So I mean, it, the, that signing was interesting to me. Did that, did that resonate for you when you saw that they signed the first baseman? Yeah, I mean... Do you think they have Boar hit against the righties and then put Pulhos in there against the lefties? No way, man. Boar, he can he can hit both. Or yeah, he he can hit right and left. He can hit. Or I are think. they are they putting Boar? Are they going to leave Boar in for the uh, what was I saying? Boar in for the righties? Wait, hold on, I just confused myself. Yeah, Boar Boar's no. a lefty, but he can okay. hit lefties too. So I I I think. Pujols is like I'm. I'm worried he's on the bench. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe if not that, are they gonna put Pujols in over Otani for the lefties? I don't know how Otani's splits were against lefties, but I know he didn't hit much last year against lefties, I believe. So maybe they take Otani out for health concerns or just the fact that a lefty's on the mound and let Pujols hit those days. And maybe when a righty comes in, they put Otani back in the lineup. I don't know. 
But, well, that's the deal. Like the so the heavy side of that split would be like your best lineup against a right-handed pitcher would be Bohr at first base and Otani at DH, and then Pujols is on the bench. So I I I think they're trying to win. I mean that that signing was interesting to me, if for no other reason than like Pujols' days might be no, at least as a regular they might be numbered. So if they're if they're willing to do that with that contract, then I you know. They may be trying to win and just not be doing a great job of it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, probably unpopular opinion, but I think Pulos is better than what he's produced the past two years. I think, I don't want to say he's been unlucky, but I think he's been kind of unlucky. I don't want to say that, but he had a 41% hard contact rate. I think his bat is just so low because he runs like a sloth now. That's what happens when you're almost 39 years old. Yeah. I, I think I think Pujols is uh, not an everyday player next year. Not that anybody was aggressively taking him anyway, but I think it'll be a lot of Boer and Otani in that lineup, which will be a good thing. So I think I think they're trying to win. We'll we'll see what else the Angels can pull off during the, during the hot stove season. But I, I think they're trying. We'll see. So anything else on Cahill or Angels, or we yeah. we should we can talk about the Mets. Rock on. Wilson Ramos, the newest member of the New York Metropolitans following Robbie Cano, Edwin Diaz, and uh, the re-signing of, uh, I think it's Uris Familia, the former closer, who's now going to be the eighth inning man behind Edwin Diaz. So the Mets are, the Mets are rocking out right now. What do, you, what do you think about the Mets and Wilson Ramos? Uh, that was a good sign. Um, I think they were in on real Muto, but I forget – I can't remember who the Marlins were asking for. I think they were asking for like Nemo, and it was like three. It was like one or two top prospects, and then Nemo, and it was they were asking for a lot, I believe. And it right. was it was smart just to get Ramos off the free agent market instead of trading all that for uh, a real Muto. I agree. Uh, love me some Ramos. Uh, give a shout out to Tim Finnegan, who used to work at. Uh, Fake teams. Now you can find him messing around on DraftKings. But uh, he's a Mets fan, if you don't know Tim. And this is the tweet he put out after the signing. So I did not know Wilson Ramos had LASIK surgery, but he did. So pre-surgery, here's the slash. 258, 301, 411. And then post uh, LASIK surgery. So improved eyesight, duh. Uh, Post surgery, 298, 343, 483. So batting average went up 40 points. OBP went up 40 points. Slugging went up about 70 points. So um, it's nice when you can look at something specific and then see a concrete change. You know what I mean? So that I didn't I didn't know he had surgery. So that that stuck out to me. So what if, what if I told you that? Ramos's hard contact rate, Statcast hard contact rate, was higher than players like Ronald Acuna, Mike Trout, Trevor Story, and Max Muncy. I think for a catcher that sounds amazing, and uh, I think the the top two that we'll chat about here in a second, um, I think they deserve to be there. But I, I do think. After the two, there's a, a tier all by itself that's Wilson Ramos, in my opinion. 
I like him before. I like him ahead of the other veteran guys that come that come right after him. So, yeah. And now it is worth saying before we get enamored with his raw power, he does have a fifty-five percent ground ball rate. So that'll hurt him a little bit. Um, but still, a guy could be a two seventy, two eighty hitter, maybe twenty twenty-five home runs, depending on how many play appearances he get. He gets. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, so I think obviously that's the news. Um, we're done with the news. We can just we can shift into catcher, so we can hit Ramos after we discuss the top two. So, oh no, you forgot one—the one that just happened. The oh, Daniel, Daniel Murphy, Murphy to Colorado. You know, I forgot because we said we we're going to do catchers and first base tonight, but then we crossed off first base. All right, hot take: Daniel Murphy's going to bat four hundred in Colorado this year. Boom, man, Phil Hotter. He's going back 500. <laughs> he's going to he's going to be Ted Williams-esque this year. He's about to hit 30 home runs, have a 500 batting average, and just absolutely murder the league this year. This is going to be this is going to be a fun year for I'm going to draft I'm going to go I'm marking Daniel Murphy right now down as uh first round number 1 overall pick. <laughs> You're not serious. Are you serious? No, but I'm going to go ahead and move him up the board. Fine. Yeah, I don't have a board yet, but I when I have a board, he'll be he'll be moved way up. Um, the only, I mean, he's 33 or right around there. I don't think he's 34 yet. Obviously, had some injuries last year, but you know, supposedly healthy going into Colorado. It's a two-year, 24 million dollar deal, um, which we don't really care about for fantasy baseball purposes. But Colorado hasn't had a legitimate first baseman in quite a long time. And now they do. And I love it. Obviously, fantastic hitters park and a guy like Daniel Murphy. Uh, I'm not joking. Whenever we do bold predictions, I will write that Daniel Murphy will bat 400 in 2019. That's, so that's my that's my analysis on Daniel Murphy in Colorado. All right. Here, um, I was just looking at X stats for the Rockies last season. And now half of this is home and away games, but their X batting average was 239, but their real batting average was 254. That's a 15 point difference in team batting average last year. So if we just if we give Daniel Murphy just 15 more points, he's a 320 hitter again, um, right? Yeah, I don't. You mean 15 more points from last year, or, what? or just just what we expect, or what I expect from a healthy Daniel Murphy is like 330. I'm not joking. Pull up like Washington years when he when he was healthy. Daniel Daniel Murphy healthy is a freak. Where you're you're thinking like God, he's gonna bat like 380 and just like blister the mess out of the ball. Yeah, I think he had a he had a low hard or a lower hard contact rate, I believe, last season. But I believe um, that was last year I'm I'm kind of tossing out though with all the injuries. That's what I was about to say. Last year, I think, like, when he came back, like, the first – how many play appearances? Yeah, he had, like, 300. So, like, the first half of those play appearances, I think his hard contact rate was, like, 22% or something ridiculous. And then he heated it up, and he finished – let me see here. He finished with a hard contact rate of 28.5%. So, it seems like as the season progressed, he got healthier and got back into a groove. So I'm not too concerned about Daniel Murphy. I had him ranked 73rd overall before the move. Now I guess I got to put him up into 
Uh, is he in the top 50 now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see how much steam he gets by going to Colorado, which you would think would be quite a bit. That, um, that, that sounds crazy, but I already have him 73rd, so I... Okay, I'll say top 60. Top 60 hitter seems right. Around 60. I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, with the uh, lack of first base talent, which we'll get to on the next pod, um, Exciting. I think I think he'll be aggressively aggressively taken for sure. I mean, he should. I assume at least on Yahoo, I think he's going to qualify at first and second. Um, he had, I think he had like double digit games at first base last year. Yeah, but years. but knowing that he's going to be, I think full time first baseman in Colorado or mostly mostly full time. That's going to be a big deal for a lot of people. That first base drives up in a hurry. So, um, I think his ADP is going to go up pretty high. Like, who would you want? And I know we didn't discuss it. I'm throwing you on the spot, but it, like Joey Votto or Daniel Murphy. Like, you're talking two contact, high average guys, both in hitters' parks. But like, Murphy's got more power. We think based on what Votto did last year, and Votto right now is like a late round four, round five guy. So Daniel Murphy's going to be, he's going to be taken aggressively, I think. My brain says Joey Votto, and I feel like that's the right answer, kind of. But uh, it's, it's, I, it's, it's close, though, I think. Like, to me, it's close. So yeah. he'll, he'll I, be like the, he'll be the consolation. Like, if you're sitting there and you're, you're hoping that Joey Votto makes it back to you, and then he doesn't, then it'll be like, oh, well, I guess I'll just take Daniel Murphy in Colorado because it, you know, kind of a similar profile. I'll, and, you I'll, might get, and you might get more power out of it based on what Votto did last year. I'll have to run the numbers on it to see. But, uh, oh, uh, so do we think Murphy's playing first or do you think they move Desmond to the outfield? Because I was just, I just realized um, if he plays second, what does that mean for a guy like Garrett Hampson, who a lot of people were getting really excited about? Yeah, I think I think Hampson is second, and uh, Desmond goes back to left field. Yeah, because right now on MLB.com they have at left field David Dahl, and then their starting right fielder is also David Dahl. So I don't know how they're going <laughs> to work that out. Yeah, but. Dahl Dahl will go to right, Desmond to left, and then uh, obviously centers Blackman. Um, so yeah, I think I think most people want to see Hampson at second. I think. I don't know if the Rockies hate Ryan McMahon or what, but it, since he can kind of move around in the infield, it makes sense for him to be on the bench. Honestly, he's like their uh, a mini version of uh, Marlon Gonzalez. Yeah, or or my Johan Camargo, who I love, but it makes sense for him to be able to move around. So um, I think Hampson's at second and Murphy's at first. But anyway. I mean, it, I definitely can see the drafts winding up like that, where people are going for that Joey Votto name recognition, and then if they miss out, they'll uh, quickly pull the trigger on somebody that has a similar profile in a hitter's part. So I think I think those two are kind of close. We'll see. I don't know how close they'll get, but we'll see. All right. Anything else on uh, on Daniel Murphy? We like him. Yeah, I think that hits it all. He might he might be my second baseman. Rock on. I like it. So he might right. be your first baseman with how bad it is. <laughs> um, not a, not if I get Freddie Freeman. That's my intersection of my fandom and my fantasy baseball geekiness. There is no reason I should not draft Freddie Freeman as the first 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 baseman of 2019 since I am a Braves fan. So Goldschmidt can be comfortably slotted into the two hole. <laughs> 
I have, I, I have Freeman and Goldschmidt two three. So you got Rizzo number one. Yeah, rock on. I he might the, be my second baseman on Yahoo. <laughs> I know Yahoo's probably tired of getting the positional thing thrown in their face. So I'm sorry, Yahoo. I love you. That's where I play most of my games. Don't hate me. Um, Joe, are you are you a fantasy footballer at all? No, not at all. Okay, so you haven't seen the the Jalen Samuels uh, positional. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's like warfare on Twitter right now. Like, should he be a running back? Should he be a tight end? Oh no, I I know what you're talking about. I have seen it. So on Yahoo, he's he's both, and they they said they weren't going to change the eligibility during the season. So some people like it, some people hate it. I assume the people that hate it don't own Jalen Samuels. So um, anyway, it's been a it's been a thing for the last couple of weeks. So uh, Rizzo as a second baseman on on Yahoo is is fun, uh, and Freeman as a third baseman for that matter. So anyway, all right. I think we hit the news. I think we should uh, start talking about catchers before people stop listening. So, well, I think uh, talking about catchers will make people stop listening, but <laughs> we're still going to do it. This is how you get an edge by talking about stuff that is not very fun. So, at catcher, at least right now, from what we know from ADP, I'm going to kind of go down down the list, basically through like the top twelve. I think I think that'll be enough catcher talk. So at the top, you have JT Real Muto versus Gary Sanchez. Do uh, you have any ADP data in front of your face at all? I think Real Muto is probably like a 80. Oh, I do, actually. Hold on. Give me one sec. I'll, I have, I'm going to quote. Pick 80 to 90. No, I'm going to quote Justin Mason's too early mock draft. Uh, uh, Gary Sanchez was apparently taken 69th in ADP, and Real Muto was 85. That that's interesting. That hmm, that actually surprises me. Yeah, I don't I don't know anything about what settings they were drafting towards. I assume I mean you're probably definitely talking one catcher league. Um, and it this is what we said a little bit before the pod. Like if we're I play a lot of head to head, so. Obviously, if I'm doing head-to-head, I'm going to avoid some of the risks Sanchez gives me. So if, if the ADP discrepancy was that, you know, 15 picks or so that you just said, then I'm, I would definitely wait for Real Muto. Um, if we're in a bigger format, like the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, uh, Justin, please invite me back next year. I won League 10, please. Anyway, uh, but a, a league like that where you're going to compete against a lot more people, um, I would probably take the volatility of Sanchez, but I think a lot of people will also be thinking that way as well. Um, you'd be you'd be taking Gary Sanchez, hoping that he crushed like forty bombs, and uh, you know you made up your average elsewhere. So for me, it's a with those two, you're definitely it's a totally different profile. So you're talking totally different formats, in my opinion. Um, what do you what do you think? You have any takes on those two? I definitely think Real Muto is the better all around player, but. It just kind of depends on like what you want for your team and then what kind of format you're in, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I always have Real Muto first, but uh, Real Muto's value next season I think depends on where he. Is. I don't like him being in uh, Miami because I think I think being in Miami he's like a fringe twenty home run guy. But if you put him in like a place like I don't know, let Colorado, if you put him in a place like Colorado, he's going to be closer to like the thirties or mid twenties range. Um, but I mean, Real Muto, he's got the speed, 
but he only stole three bases. But he's got the speed. He's got the contact ability. He's got the power. He's able to drive the ball. He improved his plate discipline. I mean, this guy, an all-around, just solid player of real life and fantasy. While Sanchez, I still have some concerns. Um, his contact ability over the past couple of years hasn't been that great. He's got great raw power and great home park. But the thing that concerns me isn't really his home run per plate appearance. It's more of his total home run numbers because uh, catcher, as we know, is a grueling position. And they usually don't accumulate as many at-bats as a, another position because they have to rest more often. So that's kind of why I'm usually off on catchers. It's not even really their profiles. It's more of how much playing time are they going to get. But with that being said, I think he still finishes with like a 245 batting average and 30 home runs. So I don't know. I'm, I've never been too excited about Sanchez. I was off on him last year and I'm off on him. I guess I'm off on him this year. And at least I'm not drafting him in the top 70. I'll tell you that. So we're, we're a little different. I, I could definitely see me taking him in the top 70. Um, I did a, I did a catcher review probably, I want to say October. Um, Actually, I lied. November. I pulled it up right now. Uh, November 12th, I looked at catchers. Um, and I basically was looking at guys that were, I think my criteria was 350 plate appearances. I mean, we're not talking any small sample data here. So of the entire group, Sanchez had the worst luck on batted balls. So a 197 Babbitt. Uh, and then if you look at, at X data, he had the highest discrepancy between his batting average and his X batting average and Woba and X Woba. So it basically was like his his real batting average last year was 186, but we should have like easily expected something around like the 225, 230 mark, which would have put him like a he basically would have been like Robinson Chirinos, except like with way more power. Um but it like obviously 230 is not great, but if you factor in the amount of power that he does have he gets better luck on batted balls next year. I think Gary Sanchez would be – he definitely would be somebody that if he cracks 30 home runs, then then we're totally – I think I would be totally fine with it from the catcher spot. Yeah, it's just a question. For me, it's just a question of plate appearances. And Boone showed last year too that he's not afraid to bench him because of his uh, defense. And I mean, you could say put him in at DH, but you know, Luke Voigt might be DHing every once in a while, so he'll obviously Voigt's a better hitter. So we obviously don't want Sanchez in at DH. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I mean, we'll see. We'll we'll see how uh, Voigt holds up. What's that? You hear that noise? Is that me? Or is that you? What's that noise? Oh, that's probably probably me. Uh, I'll make sure like there's no <laughs> aliens taking over from my basement but uh yeah i don't uh, i don't know i think you're down on sanchez I, and i think a lot of people will be so for me it's a guy that people some people were drafting as soon as like round two going into last year and if i'm looking at it this year at least you're looking at tons of power potentially and that i can land that guy much later this year um i'm probably i'm probably going to be intrigued for sure um, I'm probably going to have a lot more Sanchez than you is what it sounds like. I'm going to go, well, I'm not going to have any Sanchez. So if you have one, oh, you, you, win. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to have some Sanchez for sure. So, all right. Well, I, 
I like Sanchez more than you, but if you're going to make me pick between the top two, I definitely agree with leaning towards Real Muto, even if he does stay in Miami. Um, he's the safer bet by far. If you play head-to-head like me, I think that's definitely your guy. But he, even if he went to a hitter's park, I still don't think he has the upside to hit 40 home runs. But if you if you if if I told you Gary Sanchez stayed healthy this year and he hit 40 home runs, that wouldn't surprise you like in a crazy way, would it? No, no if he had a full season of plate appearances, but he would have it, he's not going to get it. It could happen. No. Unless unless they put him at like DH, which then they have to move around Stanton, I believe. And, uh, who kn- I mean, the Yankees basically they have the money; they can do whatever they want. They could sign twelve All Stars on that team and have them all play if they want to. Yeah. All right. So we we both like Real Muto the best, but uh, I actually think Sanchez has a little upside. Or you know, I guess the downside doesn't scare me as much as it scares you. Is is what we're saying. So anyway, all right. Let's uh, so that's the top two, and I think I said it earlier. I think there's a clear like number three guy, and that's Wilson Ramos. Do you do you feel that way, or are your uh, are your catcher rankings not that defined yet? Um, How do you feel about Ramos? Did you say Ramos is number three? Yeah, yeah. What? In my book, Ramos is number three. What about Wilson Contreras? Nah, I mean, and part of that too with Contreras is I think he's going to come after the the veteran tier that I, that I'm going to call it here in a second when we get to it. Um, I think his power outage last year is going to, is going to sketch a lot of people out. Um, I don't think I'm going to have to take him as soon as the third catcher off the board. Does that make sense? So I'm not even like considering it because I don't think I'm going to have to. Yeah. I mean, I'm, they're kind of similar. I think they're both ground ball heavy guys make not, Okay, their contact rates, neither have great contact rates. It's just, um, I believe Ramos has a better strikeout rate because he swings at more pitches, more aggressive at the plate than Contreras. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm, I believe that's correct. Um, Ramos showed more raw power. Um, so maybe, maybe it should be Ramos before Contreras. Honestly, I, I don't care. From catcher, from catcher one to eight or one to nine, I guess. Um, an ADP. I, I don't. I don't care. I could. I could throw darts all I want at that because I'm not going to draft any catchers, any of the top nine catchers. Honestly, not even Real Muto. No, no. I got. No, I. I have to see where he goes. Um, as I said, the thing with catcher is the, the plate appearances. You can't count on catchers to get 600 plate appearances. It's just. It's the just the way the position is. Um, so. I really won't take a catcher early because the counting stats are usually not there. I mean, you'll see it every once in a while. I think we saw Sal Perez catch like some ridiculous amount of innings um, like three years ago or something, I believe. But I believe the next season he got hurt, so that's why you don't put your catcher in for uh, for hundred, yeah, hundred and fifty games in twenty fourteen, one hundred and fifteen, and one forty two. So yeah, that's why you don't put him in there for nearly every game is because it's grueling and they get hurt. So I just wait till after pick 200. Um, and we'll talk about some guys in, here in a little while that I'll probably target, be targeting. So I think waiting like until 200 is definitely viable where you and I differ is that I think the top couple of guys are actually worth it. Um, but if I miss out on those guys, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be waiting 
just like you are. So did you did you read what Zach wrote the other day, the the catch twenty two article talking about catchers? If not, uh, if, if not, he's basically saying what you're saying right now. So if you didn't catch it, I think you should. Yeah, I I, I start reading some of it and then I got called away to do something else, I believe. Yeah, so you he's he's speaking your language as far as like what catcher value is actually what what they're actually worth. So um, pun intended too, by the way, if you didn't catch it, uh, you should you should go check that out um, on faketeams.com. So yeah, he you you and he I think see eye to eye. I actually I blame the head to head thing, but I try to be as balanced as I can top to bottom. So if there's a way for me to weave in one of the top guys, I'm going to do that or I'm going to try to do that and see if I can make the rest of my draft work. So it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like to just try to punt a spot and uh, not try to have some kind of production. I know I can count on, and well, I, but I, I get what you're saying. We're like, you can, you can punt catcher and be fine because you're not getting a ton of offense anyway. Yeah. I was about to say, you don't, it's not necessarily punting. I mean, 260, you got Beef Castillo, um, or around two, pick 260. I'll give you three names going around that spot. Francisco Mejia, Astadio, and Beef Castillo. And I personally didn't say Astadio's first name, so I don't mispronounce it. <laughs> Will I Ans? I don't know. Yeah, I, I said before here, I looked on like five websites to find pronunciations, and I couldn't find one. So I know I know Paul Sporer over at uh, Fangraphs is a bit of a uh, – stickler for trying to pronounce names correctly so i need to i need to slide in his dms and say hey where are you getting your pronunciations from so that's on my to-do list as as well as uh doing some 50 round draft and holds so yeah will i and the studio i don't know yeah out of that group i definitely would lean mejia even though austin hedges scares me just a little bit but i guess yeah i see your point like those guys can definitely have value at the same time we haven't seen astadio for very long Mejia's got to do battle with Austin Hedges, who's a really good defensive catcher, and he has some pop, so that scares me just a little bit. Um, and then Castillo, they just signed James McCann, which doesn't freak me out a whole lot, but you know, it, it could it could siphon away some at bats. And then if they call up Jimenez, that's one less spot in the lineup for him to maybe take the DH spot. You know, heaven forbid they sign Machado too. I mean, it, I don't know, I don't know. It's not it's not safe. I, w- I would rather have uh, Wilson Contreras. Well, I just, I'd rather have Wilson Contreras. I just don't want to be taking him in the 15th, 14th round. All right, I, ha- I have Wilson Contreras uh, propaganda for you. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. You mean Contreras uh, or Ramos? Contreras. Okay. I'm, I'm giving you some Contreras love. I just don't think I'm going to have to take him as high as Ramos. I think I can wait until until later, but – there were two catchers that were above league average in walk percentage, strikeout rate, and ISO in 2018. And when I say above league average, I mean the league average for catchers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, so I'm, not, I'm not saying MLB league average, but based on what the average catcher, average qualified catcher gave you last year, only two catchers were above average in those three in those three parts. So walk percentage, strikeout rate, and isolated power, who were they? Uh, Cervelli and Contreras. Yeah, yeah, we already said this before. Um, so, like, I do I do like Contreras because he's going to get a uh, butt ton of at-bats. Um, I just think that there's uh, Gary Sanchez, Real Muto, Tier, and then you're talking Wilson Ramos, and then Grandal, 
and then the veteran tier of uh, Yadier, Sal Perez, Buster Posey. I think Contreras is going to go after that in a lot of leagues. He may go ahead of Posey, especially with the injury, the injury news. But but I think he's going to kind of be like at the tail end of that. What do you what do you think? That's what it looks like to me right now. Uh, yeah, most likely. Um, as I said, I get catchers so unexciting. Um, I'll probably. I'll probably take a nap during my draft and then wake up for the last pick and just pick one of the catchers that tells me to pick. Just be like, there's my starting catcher for the year. All right. Well, we, we may have to <laughs> assume that you're in a two catcher league and get and get a little bit more a little bit more picking. So let's let's say let's start right. looking at the veteran tier, which is what I'm gonna call it all all preseason. Um, so let's say Real Muto's gone, Sanchez is gone, Ramos is gone. Let's even say Grandall signs somewhere because I think he'll be he'll be fourth if he signs and people like the landing spot. So then you're looking at Yadier, Sal Perez, Buster Posey. What are you what are you doing? Well, I would say Posey, but he had that surgery. So Yep, hip surgery. Not not expected to be ready, I don't think. I think the beginning of the season is in doubt for Posey. So I'm I'm with you. He's I'm he's crossed off my board right now. You know what? I'm gonna go Sal Perez. Um, he's gonna. He's he's been pretty healthy um, since joining the league, um, and I know he was hurt was it last year or two years ago, but really he hasn't missed missed much time. Uh, he has good raw power, hits a lot of fly balls, and he he's gonna have a strikeout rate probably around twenty percent. But last year, you look at that two thirty five average and probably like pushed people the wrong way. But he had a two forty five bat bib, and his still had a. 20% line drive weight. So I think he's going to be a low bat guy, but I think he'll probably be more around like the 280 range instead of 245. So I'm expecting 25, 30 home runs and a 260 batting average. 25 to 30. 25 to 30. Mm, 30 sounds really big. Um, well, yeah. Uh, so, you know, what? I think I'm not going to say he gets 30 because his home park stinks, but if he was in a different, a more hitter-friendly home park, I think he's the 30. Because you know how I said, uh, what was it, Wilson Ramos had the 26th best hard contact rate according to the stat cast? Mm-hmm. Um, do you know who the catcher uh, – well, now I have to find it. Sorry. Do you know who the catcher below him, I believe, was? Do not. Salvador Perez. Actually, they had the same exact hard contact rate, 47.4%. Okay. So only five catchers hit 20 home runs last year. Nobody nobody hit 30. So Sal Perez hit 27. So he, he topped everybody. So if you're, if you're going for the archetype of, like, let my catcher give me power, I don't think there are many, like, safer bets than, than Perez. There probably is not a safer bet if you just want power. Because he's he's done it for so long, so I don't think we have the same downside that you have with Gary Sanchez. It's also this is a little thing that no one really talks about, and it's also worth noting that he does have terrible plate discipline. But due to that plate discipline and his um, aggressiveness at the plate, he has a high amount of batted ball events. Um, so twenty three percent of the time he didn't hit the ball. So sixty seven or no, that's not right math seventy. 77% of the time he had a batted ball event of his play appearances. So this is something yeah. I never, this is something I never pay attention to until I start till, until I start running uh, projection algorithms. Um, the reason it's hard to see Aaron judge hitting 50 home runs is because 
he only has a batted ball about 50% of the time. If Aaron Judge had the same amount of batted ball events as Sal Perez, he'd probably be a 70 run guy. Um, so it is worth noting that when you look at his batted ball data, that he's also has more batted ball events than the average player, if that makes sense. I don't know if I explained that well, but. No, it makes sense. I mean, he doesn't walk. So, I mean, you, you're saying, like, he's putting a lot of balls in play, so he has a lot more opportunity to hit a home run, basically, is what I hear. Yes. It's, he, has, he has way more chances. It's a minor thing, but it's worth considering um, when you run the numbers. And it's why it's why a guy like, if you remember, I believe, Jose Altuve, or I'll even throw it last year, Ozzy Albies, um, they had hard contact rates below 30%, but they just had so many, and they just had so many bad ball events that even though they weren't making a lot of hard contact, they were able to get above the 20 home run mark because of their bad ball events. Yeah, it makes sense. Albies, uh, I'd love to see his splits like by a month as far as hard contact. I know he tailed off in the second half of the season, but but yeah, I, I definitely understand what you're saying as far as bad ball events, for sure. Um all right, so in the veteran tier, you're leaning Perez. For me, for me, I think if I'm looking at Sal Perez or Yadier Molina, it just kind of depends on what I want for my team. If uh, if I already had maybe too much batting average risk, I definitely would lean towards Yadier. If I kind of had the batting average floor and I needed the pop, I would go for I would go for Perez. So I just feel like in that cluster, it's just going to depend on like what you what you want. Uh, for me, I have Grandall ahead of both of those guys. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't. I don't even care where he lands. Um, Grandall is a really underrated power hitting asset at the catcher position. So, I think I think he's clearly like ahead of those guys in my opinion. He's he's like my number four guy right now. Yeah, Grandall. Grandall is just one of those guys that I just shrug my shoulders for. I don't. No. Oh I don't. I don't, uh, I don't love him. I don't hate him. He's just there if he's there you know around after um in the later rounds i'll pick him up but he's gonna not a great batting average he's gonna have the power i man no catcher has a great batting average except for real muto you don't love 20 guaranteed home runs from the catcher position um what about beef castillo going that's not 20 guaranteed Steve Castillo has he's definitely 20 guaranteed as long as he's not hurt. Uh all right. So the last three years for Grandal, 24, 22, and 27 going back to 2016. No PED usage. Oh, I was gonna say Castillo wasn't hurt, was he? He was gonna pop for PEDs. Has Castillo ever hit 20 home runs back to back? Okay, he's only hit 20 home runs once, but we're gonna ignore there that. Go. We're gonna ignore that. We're not looking at past success, we're looking at future. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. <laughs> I, refuse, he's, I refuse he's, to be wrong. Uh, I think you need to not discount Yasmani Grandal. Who cares? Who cares where he lands? I think he is an elite power asset at catcher. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be taking these guys in my drafts and, and you're not. So, you know, um, I just said that, but I did have him ranked uh, 25 spots higher than his, uh, ADP and Justin Matheson's uh, mock drafts. So there is that. So maybe maybe I do like Grandall. I don't know. I just don't see myself taking him. But maybe maybe there I is think, a draft where I, I take him. I think you just you just hate catchers. I don't I don't get it. 
Well, I, I do hate catchers. Wait, what do you mean you don't get why I hate catchers? Catchers? No, I mean, I, I, why why do you want to do this pod? Like, you, you, clearly, <laughs> you clearly hate catchers and are biased towards – no, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what your bias towards, but it's not towards catchers. I'll, I'll tell you what. You'll hear some love for catchers when we get to this. I, All right. Well, I, I mean, I think we're there because we talked about the top two: Ramos, Grandal. Then you have your veteran group: Yadier, Sal Perez. We're crossing off Posey. We're not interested in the hip surgery. Um, and then after that, you're going for youth. You're looking at Francisco Mejia or uh, Danny Jansen. So. Those are those are kind of sleeperish, definitely Jansen. So the the floor is yours. Is there a catcher that you actually like? Yeah, there are actually a couple, but I, what I about like Mejia or Jansen. Mejia and Jansen, I like both of them. Oh, um, do you want me? Do you have a preference on who I talk about first, or I just jump right in? Who do you who do you like of the two? Who do you like? Who do I like more? Uh, yeah. I feel like that will be the choice between those two, at least looking at like ADP right now. I think if you were taking a catcher when those, when the guys ahead of them were gone, I feel like those are the two best options, at least I'll, according to ADP. So who do you like from those two? I'll go Mejia. Um, the reason I say that is why do I say that? Um, I think Mejia is going to be a, I don't actually. I don't think. I kind of know. But he is going to be a higher BAPIP guy. Um, I think as of right now, I think Mejia has more raw power than uh, Danny Jansen. Um, he is one of the downsides to Mejia is he's super aggressive. Um, over his seventy-six plate appearances as a major leaguer, he has a sixty percent swing rate and a you ready fifty-three point five percent O swing. Fifty-three point five percent O swing. That's Absolutely terrible. That's Mejia. He's over fifty. Yes. yes, over fifty O swing. That that that's the worst O swing I've seen. At least I can remember. Now hold on. Is that is that last year's MLB sample or is that this is his uh, total in the majors? Seventy is seventy six plate appearances. So not a big sample size, but it's big enough from the mouth pitches he's seen. I guess. Um, but yeah, because the, the quick reaction is like it's not a huge sample, but it you know I, I hear what you're saying. It's that is a god awful number. I oh. remember MLB average last year was thirty ish, thirty thirty one, and he's over fifty. So yeah, it's it's a ghastly number for sure. Yeah, I think people are going to be surprised when I put out because um, I'm planning on putting out a top three hundred fancy prospect list. I think people are going to be surprised that Mejia he's not going to be in the top one hundred. I know. Everyone has him in the top 100, and the reason is because he's going to probably give you maybe he's he's solid, but he's not going to be extraordinary. His likelihood to swing out of the zone and make contact out of the zone will lower his bat bit a little bit. Um, he's not going to be a high run guy because he's not walking. And what what do you think his power potential is? I got him at like 20, maybe 25 at his peak. Um, so yeah, I mean 20. 20 sounds right I minute, mean, at least from what I, I know from looking at me. Yeah. So he's a good player, but it's nothing spectacular. But when I'm drafting a catcher in the 28th round, I'm fine with just picking that up. That's, that's what I want. It's not extraordinary, but he's going to get you the stats. And he's probably, he's really not going to be a minus anywhere. 
And I don't expect his 29% K rate to continue at the major league level. Or I might con- might consider it continuing if he keeps swinging out of the zone 53% of the time. But I hope he fixes that. So I know it's just one website, but he's he's not even projected to be the starter right now for the Padres. I'm looking at roster resource. Yeah, but and, it, and that's what that's what sketches me out about him. Like if that's a if that's a 60-40 split, even like give Mejia 60 and say Hedges takes 40, like he's really gonna have to produce over his 60% of the time, which I know as a Braves guy can work because that's been a really underrated spot for catching production over the past couple of years with Suzuki and Flowers sharing time. But it still it still sketches me out a little bit. Like you, you're going to want the guy that has the 60 instead of the 40, and Hedges plays good defense and has some power too. So it just it scares me just a little bit, especially when you're the one bringing up the uh, the chase rate. So – I don't know. Mejia sketches me out a little. I think I lean towards Jansen. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was kind of talking about, the plate appearances, though, for uh, catcher, is most catchers are in somewhat of a platoon because you can't put a catcher in there every day. And so even if Mejia only gets 350, 400 plate appearances, he can still be a top 10 catcher, um, which is absolutely nuts, but it's just how it works. And Jansen... Jansen is great. He has he's great from nearly every aspect of his game. He makes good contact. He doesn't swing out of the zone very often. He has an ability to drive the ball. He had a uh, a 24% line drive rate at AAA last season. But I am a little concerned about his overall raw power. Um, I think that causes his bat bat bit to be a little bit lower than we would expect with someone with his line drive rate, especially saying he hits a lot of fly balls. Um, so I'm not I'm not off on Jansen, but I'm not excited, if that makes sense. Because I think, I think Jansen has the potential to be maybe a 25 home run guy if he's able to bulk up and add a little bit more power to his game. It's just I don't want to go into the fantasy season expecting him to get bigger. Um, and maybe that's something I should pay more attention to. But no, I mean I think in general the learning curve for catchers is steep. Um, his focus primarily is going to be to handle the staff, and you know I, I think offensively it's wise to not bank on bank on a guy in his first extended run. So uh, to that end, it maybe makes more sense to lean towards Mejia since he had his cup of coffee last year, and uh, Jansen will be walking into that this year. So. Um, the the only thing for me is like you're not you're not you're not spending a whole lot on Jansen. I, mean, I think Mahi is going to be the name. Most people are going to take him before um, Jansen's going to be. I think probably well after Mahia. I just feel like on most ranking boards it'll be Mahia, and then Jansen will be right behind him. I I would think just based on his opportunity because right now he's he's the guy in Toronto. Do you know who I like more than both of them? Beef Castillo. No. Who who you got? The strikeout king, Williams Astadio. He is a god. Um, is he the strikeout king if he doesn't strike out? What, what would maybe what would he be? he's the contact king? The, the contact king. There we go. Yeah, we get some we get some alliter- alliteration in there. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to take that away from Joey Gallo. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, I, I know what you meant. We knew what uh, you meant. But yeah, so uh, did you know? I think. 
he was playing, I think it was in the Venezuelan league this summer. And I believe, I know Jeff Sullivan was keeping up with it. And I think he struck out a total of one time his whole time this summer. I don't know. I haven't checked currently, but I think last I checked, he only had one strikeout. Um, and yeah, I, I remember seeing something, something nuts like that for sure. So is he, is he the guy in Minnesota right now? Is that the, that the projection? Uh, who knows? Um, I think I'm not expecting him to get a lot of play appearances. They got Jason. They have Jason Castro marked above him. The question is, do you, who would you rather have Castro or Astadio? Um, Actually, what I'm looking at right now, they have Astadio as the starting third baseman. I don't know how that works, but yeah, I mean, Castro must be a defensive whiz because he ain't hitting. Um, I mean, Sano should play third unless he's in more trouble that I haven't heard of. Um, I think in the lineup they have right now, Astadio is the sub since he can kind of move around a little bit. Um, and I, I mean, they've got Garver as well, so I, I don't know. I don't know where Astadio is going to be going to be taking play in time yeah but see my plan is to take Astadio with around the last pick um and i've i've stated i know i've said it like probably 30 times already but plate appearances for catcher are so low and if Astadio can just give me 300 i'm cool with it because he's going to be have 300 play appearances but he's also going to have a super high batting average probably around 300 um and his raw power actually um, I know he's never had 20 home runs in a season, but he has about average raw power. Um, I'm going to pull it up right here. 29.7% uh, hard contact rate according to StatCast. And you remember me talking about the high batted ball event? Well, Astadio, 5.2% um, of the time, he didn't have a batted ball event. So he has a high amount of batted ball events. He hits a high amount of fly balls. So I'm expecting over 600 play appearances. Um, he would have around a little over 20 home runs. Um, and I'm pretty yeah, I, just, I don't think he gets there. That's where that's where you and I diverge. No, I don't think he gets to 600 either. My point is what he's giving you at the catcher position for 300 or 400 play appearances, I would rather have than maybe 500 play appearances of, uh, I don't know. Uh, Andy uh, Jansen? Maybe, yeah. No, I'm just no. Throwing, out a, throwing out a name. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. I so just maybe, like. I think you I, definitely got to stress that, like, you're talking daily leagues, right? Like, that's not if you're if you're locking in a guy for an entire week. I think you want to have a little bit more floor for at bats. But if you're if it's something that you can kind of manage, then then I definitely I definitely understand what you're saying. But then then you're carrying two catchers, so is it worth it? Or are you not carrying two catchers? You're just you're fine with the the smaller number of plate appearances. Is that what you're saying? Mm, it depends. I mean, it's going to depend on mostly, I'd say, league size, league size, and um, if it's a one or two catcher league. But if it's if it's if it's a one catcher, if, if it's, it's a one catcher league, I totally subscribe to your like. I don't give a rip who my catcher is because there's going to be somebody you can pluck off of waivers. If it's a two catcher format or like a fifteen team league, I think we, I would want somebody with more with more opportunity for at bats. But I, I definitely see the the appeal of somebody that is going to have a high amount of batted ball events and and not going to strike out. And he doesn't walk much either, right? So I mean, you're basically 
you're basically yep. just talking like he's getting hits. Like it, like you know, who cares about Russell and Martin's like 15% walk rate because that doesn't do anything in fantasy. So yeah, unless exactly. you're playing points or OBP, right? But. Right. Well, I don't. I don't do that. That's lame. But yeah. it's not lame. It's fine. It's just not for me. But yeah, Asadia is going to be a three category contributor at least on a per plate appearances per plate appearance. He's going to have a great average. He's going to get a lot of RBIs because he's hitting the ball so often, um, and he's going to have a decent home run rate, I believe. So if I can get a three-category contributor at catcher position is a lot better than what you can usually get, um, which is kind of funny because that's not even that amazing. But I'll, I like Asadio. Maybe, I'm, maybe I've just fallen in love with his peripherals and I'm not looking at playing time, but I'm so in on Asadio. I hear you. I'm I'm a slave to my head to head stuff and uh, looking for my floor. So he's definitely going to be a guy that would have to be a late late thing for me. Um, and I try to like most of my leagues are really big rosters, so I like to I like to be able to stash. I know some people think that's kind of a kind of a crappy way to play, um, where you like yep. stash stash everybody. But um, anyway, he's probably not a guy that's going to be starting on on really any format that I think I can see myself in, but, but he's definitely a name I'll pay attention to. So I, I get the appeal. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not totally in yet on, on Will Ian's as to Dio. Yeah. I mean, at, for your last three picks, I've kind of um, contributed to the idea of when you're drafting, when you're drafting outside the top 200, just pick a guy with upside, put him on your roster um, even if there's playing time concerns. And if he doesn't get the play in time, you can just drop him and pick someone off, off waivers. Because, I mean, really, when you go outside the top 200, I mean, how many – you're not getting much quality. When you go – actually, really, when I – the way I do my rankings count when you get past the top 150, I just go mostly upside unless I have a team with so much um, downside. But usually I don't draft downside players. So um, – once I get past the 150 range, I'll try and go mostly upside because you're not going to lose your league in your late rounds, but you can win yeah. it. You can win it in the late rounds. And that's what I've also said about the early rounds. You can, you, you're not going to win your league with your first pick, but you can lose it with your first pick if you do a poor job. Sure. So, so for, for what it's worth, Astadio Steamer projects 267 plate appearances next year with seven home runs so they're not projecting a ton of opportunity the slash is nice 291 320 and uh 442 so definitely quality when he's in there but uh their projection is pretty uh on the low end i would think compared to what you're hoping for but like catcher like you said like it's it's a platoon kind of gig and there there seem to be a lot more platoons already happening this year with Suzuki Suzuki in Washington uh, as a good example and uh, McCann going to the Braves is a good example um, you know people people are gonna have to piece piece together the catcher spot especially in like a 15 team league so that's gonna make a guy like that pretty um, pretty interesting I think so Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in a 15-teamer, I will have to pay more attention to, to Astadio. Steamer projections be damned. All right. So so any that's that's uh, that's that's my list, man. That's that's we're like through the top 12, in my opinion. Is there any other catcher 
that you are fond of that you would like to mention? Um, I was going to ask you, I got three other sleeper catchers and tell me which one you'd like that. I already, I think I already know which one you like best, but I got Elias Diaz, Keith Castillo, and a guy I think we have to mention now because he got traded, Carson Kelly. Okay. All right. This is the first one's easy. Elias Diaz is uh, not on my board because Francisco Cervelli is hashtag good. So he's off. Uh, who was the second one? Beef. Oh, Beef. Oh, yeah. I'm totally taking him over Carson Kelly. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone is. But I mean, Beef, Beef, he's a top. He's at least in my top 12. Um, he's probably he's probably 10th for me even with the James McCann signing, like he's, he's right after Mejia. I could definitely see making a case for putting him, putting him like ninth. He's so number, he, he's number 11 for me, but I'm pro I might have to move him up. Uh, he's, he's I, definitely in my top 12. Tell me, tell me if you agree with me or, or disagree from the fifth ranked catcher to the 15th or 14th ranked catcher. Do you see much, difference there I, I i don't see much difference in value and that's why i said i'll just wait till the end of the draft to pick one up so we're talking jt gary and then yeah. after that we're talking ramos and grandal and I, I do think after those four that there's a little drop that after that you're into that like yeah, veteran that's, tier that's like yachty i def i definitely yeah i i can see where you're if you're talking about like you know, Salvador Perez versus Beef Castillo and thinking that like, yeah, that's pretty close. That makes sense to me. Um, I I guess you just helped me flesh out that I, I think that I have a top four at catcher this year. But yeah, once you're talking catcher five um, and it's maybe some ageism because if, if Yaya was like, you know, five years younger, I would have a top five. But since he is, since he is old, um, I have a top four. So yeah, if I, I think for me, it's the top four. And then I, I definitely agree with you. Once you're talking like catch your five to catch your 14, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yadier is just the older version of Francisco Mejia. Basically. It's just, you want the younger one or the older one. Right. And he's, he's 36 and a half just so I can throw it out there. So, and he's, I don't think it's a big deal, but he's having some, uh, I think he just had a minor knee procedure. So, but I, Minor was the key word. Like, I don't think it's a big deal, but you know, anyway, worth, worth noting that he, he had some, some procedure done and he is 36. So yeah, for me, it's a top four. So it, I'll ha it'll, it'll depend on ADP and like what we're, what league we're talking about. But if I miss on the top four, I could definitely see myself waiting. And then you just would kind of see who fell between like beef Castillo and whoever else. I, I do think my one, like, Exception to that would be uh, Wilson Contreras. Um, I'm gonna, he'll probably be the next uh, dive that I do to see what I can find about launch angle and hard contact and plate discipline and just, just see, see if I think the power can rebound. Because if it can, and you talk about that lineup and, you know, Wrigley in the summer and the wind, I mean, I, I think you can definitely see where his power could rebound. So I think Contreras could be a steal for sure. So he's, he's probably my one exception to like, if I miss out on the elite, I'm going to wait. Like if, if he just kind of falls in a draft, I can definitely see myself taking Contreras. Yeah. If you're doing a deep dive on Contreras, I don't think you're going to be happy with what you see. But <laughs> All right. Well, that'll definitely be the next one then. Um, you know, and, it, and he stuck out, like I said, in the first, uh, in that catcher review. 
because his, his walk rate was healthy and uh, strikeouts weren't bad. And the ISO last year was still like a hair above average, at least compared to, you know, the average MLB catcher last year. I think Contreras was right around like 141 or so. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't superb, but, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a zero either. So, yeah, here's my advice for anyone. Just don't just stay away from the Cubs except for Rizzo. Because I don't know if you've looked at their expected stats versus their real stats from the past three years. Like the top players, Brian, Baez, Contreras, I think whoever else is in the lineup. I don't even, I can't even call off the top of my head. Um, they all, their egg stats and their real stats are just differentials and each is so big. So do you, do you have a hypothesis for that? And I'm genuinely asking, like, what do we, what do you attribute that to? Um, just good luck. And now it's going to run out. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of last season. As I said, was my first time kind of really doing the algorithms and stuff, and I didn't know if mine were correct, and so I just kind of played with it, and I didn't move players down. But I saw that it it worked out pretty well. I mean, it got Lowry right and stuff, and Aguilar. So it's I don't know exactly what it is. Um, what's up with it? I mean, Contreras. If you look at Contreras' line drive rates, they're terrible. Um, Brian stopped making the hard contact he used to, and Bias has been overperforming since he reached the major leagues. Um, and I know that Cubs fans are going to hate me saying that, but uh, whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't really know what it is. And I think if you're if you're out on Bias, that's that's definitely some flag planting that is. Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be unpopular, but it's not going to be going with the flow for sure. I think it's a 250 hitter, 260. And I know he's had like he hit two ninety last year and two seventy and two seventy, but I, I don't look at the past. I look at the future and what I got you. I'm looking at. And the reason I will say I believe all three are right handers, if I'm correct. Um so they're ex Who are we talking? Uh Contreras, Bryant, and uh Bias. Uh, Contreras, Bryant. Yeah, they're all righties. Um since they're all righties. Uh, their X stats and their real stats, the real stats will be a little higher than their X stats because of the shift and stuff and all that. And then Rezos should be a little bit lower because he's a left-hander and that's just how it is. But it shouldn't be, the discrepancies shouldn't be as big as they are. And anyone that's listening, I encourage you to go take a look at the Cubs discrepancies and X stats and real stats and you'll, from the past like three years, and you'll be very interested in it. So, I was listening, but I was also multitasking. Like it, like the thing with Contreras, at least first glance is like way less hard contact last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but we should have expected a decline Contreras because his ground ball rate wasn't good, um, his contact rate wasn't good. Um, it wasn't like his line drive rate was good either, and it wasn't a super hard contact rate. I mean, it's just I, I don't know. It he's a good player, and I think when we have a player like. Contreras or Baez, and I, I think Bryant's still good. Um, so I don't want to say Bryant, but when you have a player like Contreras and Baez um, that perform like the way they have been, since they're high prospects, we just kind of go with it and we don't really pay attention to the peripherals that are coming with it. Um, and we just kind of say, oh, well, they were a top 50 prospect. So this was to be expected. But we're not actually looking at the peripherals that came with it. Um, so, so. Devil's advocate for Contreras. Swinging strike rate was better last year, best of his career. Uh, contact rate went up, 
best mark of his career. Wade made more contact in the zone, best mark of his career. Uh, swung in the zone more, best mark of his career. The negative is his uh, chase rate went up to 34.5%, but that's still, like, that's not god-awful, you know? It's not it's not above average, but it's not, like, the worst thing ever. He just didn't hit the ball as hard. But he did make more contact, and uh, looks like like recognition of the zone improved a little. Like, he swung more, and he swung in the zone more. He just swung outside of the zone more, too. So I wonder, I don't know. I mean, it, you can kind of read that both ways, like, you know, he regressed, but but in you, some ways, in some ways, he was better. But would you expect a guy with fifty percent swing rate and a thirty-five percent O swing to have a nearly ten percent walk rate? It, uh, there's something about the he Cubs is. that doesn't make sense. I don't know what's going over, what's going on in Chicago. Joe Madden, Madden has some like voodoo going on or something, but something I don't know. Something doesn't quite make sense. Uh, I maybe I'll have to do some more research into it when I get some free time, but. And like every everything with Contreras was steady last year. Walk rate, strikeout rate. Like the only thing that changed was hard hard contact and ISO. Everything else was was pretty steady. Yeah, but that's what I was saying. We should have kind of expected a decline because I think people were thinking when they thought Contreras last year because they were taking him in the top 100, I believe. They're thinking this is a 280 hitter, a 25, 30 home run guy. When really we should have been saying this guy probably 20 home run guy um, and maybe a 250, 260 hitter. And it's, it's not a, it's not a knock on Contreras. It's just sometimes players overperform and sometimes it takes a little while for them to uh, regress back to what their peripherals say they should be doing. But still only 26 years old. I think, I think 10 home runs last year is definitely the low end. I mean, if he, if he hits, if he hits 15 home runs, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, that, I, I think what Steamer hasn't projected at, it's like 15 home runs, 250 batting average. I think that that is perfect. That is on the mark. I think that's what he is. I don't think he's the 280, 25 home run guy we expected, and that's fine. He's, I don't know. I, I think I just – maybe it's because I'm a Brewers fan. You guys got me. I'm just hating on the Cubs. Okay. Now now I got it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, he seems like a guy to me that could kind of fall especially if people think there are known commodities ahead of them, um, you know, like the top four I mentioned. And then I think some people would look at his 10 home runs last year and be scared away. Like I could see people drafting Yadier and Sal Perez. So then that's, that's what six guys ahead of him. So say, say somebody like Mejia gets a lot of steam and then that's seven guys ahead of him. Um, I don't know. I could just, I could just see a scenario where he's like, he just kind of falls and falls. And then I'm going to take him. So I need to I need to do my deep dive, and then I can report back. I'll send you some if you want. I'll send you some of the uh, data I had on him, some of the stuff. Send it on. Have it. Um, okay. I guess we should. I, I think. Should. Yeah, I think we call it. Unless you have any words for Carson Kelly, since I, I cast him aside very quickly. No, I, I Carson Kelly will be interesting to watch. He might be a high batting average guy. I think there's more pop in the bat than people expect, but it's probably going to be like 15 homes, so not that much. Should right. I should I hit on the prospect real fast? Who's your Who's your prospect? Bring it on. Uh, okay, so we had it marked in the docs the prospect you're excited about, and I was going to go Joey Bart, best catcher. You know, he number 
number two overall pick. He hit 300 when he got and was like on a 30-something home run pace. But, you know, we all know Joey Bart. And I feel like there's a guy that uh, isn't getting enough credit, and that would be Dalton Varso, who might not even stay at catcher. He might move to the outfield. And it's not because of necessarily his defense. It's just his arm. But he was on a 20-40 pace, hitting 286 at high A. Um, and I believe Fangraphs gave him a hit tool of 55, a power tool of 55, and a speed of 55. Um, he's got decent plate skills. Um, think like around like Wilson Contreras, maybe lower walk rate, but around that. Um, he started hitting more fly balls, and I have him projected to be a 25-20 player with a 260 average and 80 runs, 80 RBIs. So um, ETA probably... 2020. So I think this is a guy that we should probably be paying attention to just in the back of our minds while the season goes on. So, but they just nabbed Kelly, who a lot of people are saying is a guy we can count on for, you know, maybe a decade if he, if he pans out the way people hope he will. So, and he's, I know Kelly's 24. Your yeah. Guy, same team. Like he's a diamondback, right? Yeah, that's what I was saying. They're talking about because his arm he, – he's not a bad fielder behind the plate, but since his arm isn't that strong, they could see him. He's athletic, so they could see him moving <clears throat> to, like, maybe left field. Um, and if he makes that move, then, uh, then you know, I might actually give him more stolen bases because, as we've seen, sometimes catchers don't run as much. They're You know, when they get older, their knees just get worse. Um, so he could be – maybe a move to the outfield could be better for him. David Peralta's current left fielder. He's the oldest person in their starting lineup, just for the record, 31, 31 and a half. So two more years, he's 33. So, you know, maybe we'll see him in left field. How do you, how do you pronounce his name again? Dalton, Dalton Var, Varso. I think that's V-A-R-S-H-O. That's another, another segue to, I need to find the website where I can learn pronunciations. So, um that and uh i get to watch more baseball but uh can't catch every game for sure so all right i think we i think we beat catchers into the ground i think we can uh say that we wrapped it up what do you think yeah i I think we put enough time in catcher all right then the next time on episode 12 we will move on to first base which is uh slightly more exciting maybe not um, as exciting, I mean, it's got to be a little bit more, but maybe not as exciting as we think it would have been in years past. But uh, we can we can cover that when we get to it. So for now, we're signing off from Fake Teams. I am Heath Caps. This is Joe. Say your last name. Gentile. Gentile. In my head, I still say Gentilly because that's you bastardized it, didn't you? Hey, <laughs> I, I didn't. My family did. Don't I just me. wanted to work. I wanted to work the word bastardized into the podcast. So, all right, Heath and Joe saying goodbye, talking about catchers. We're never going to do it again. We promise no more catcher talk. We'll move on. Yeah, we'll struggle through first base and second base. Don't worry. And then we'll get to the real position. The struggle is real. All right, man. I'll see you next time. See ya. Peace.